There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Big Jim is wearing his heel. I did 13 years professional, which I, I was incredibly proud of. And I, like, when I finished, I was happy to be finished. I said, oh, wouldn't mind giving it a go. <laughs> the next day, he talked to his boss. I got a phone call, and I was about three days later up in a golf club where this guy was a member practicing my whistle tone. So, <laughs> straight into it. I found out that I wouldn't be going as a referee before the Six Nations. Mm. So, I got down to the last 17. Two of us were caught before the Six Nations. I was really like I was disappointed mm. like very proud of the way I conducted myself up to that point because I think I did enough to get selected but I, I fell out on the subjectiveness of they give themselves about 30% subjective and I get that because they're selectors they want to bring the people they trust and in my case unfortunately I probably didn't have enough games under my belt On this episode, I'm joined by a former teammate of mine, an Irish teammate, who's now a referee. It's the wonderful Frank Murphy. We all met up yesterday and we, and we kind of just, just to get alignment going into the World Cup and going into this kind of post-Six Nations period where they have the warm-up games, rugby championships. So it's pretty good. Yeah? Yeah. What does alignment mean? Alignment means we show the coaches um, some areas of the game that we want to referee and how we want to referee it and they respond to that and we kind of try and meet in the middle ground somewhere we, you know which can be a bit worrying when you're going with the coaches because you know you might have some personalities but actually it worked out really well How are they in that and I'm asking that because it's that off the back of the Six Nations and there's yeah. a load of stuff are they hanging because they've let their hair down to have a few beers or is it all very kind of formal No it, it actually was very informal there was no, no there was none of them hanging Polo shirts the lot was it a formal gig Polo shirts required. Uh, I hid mine under my jumper, but yeah, polo shirts required. It, it was, um, it, yeah, I was a bit apprehensive because I, you know, I'm not on the scene that long. Uh, but we have done a few Zoom ones and they're just weird because mm. they're very hard to interact over Zoom. But So you don't know what the kind of room's going to be like, but we were splitting tables and uh, it was really good, really interactive. The way rugby should be, you know, open conversations and uh, yeah, it worked really well. My new company, World Rugby, eh? Yeah, you were mentioned. What was that? Uh, in dispatches. Uh, <laughs> I don't know who mentioned you, but you were just that you were working with World Rugby. It's I do a, wonder. It's a good thing. I mean, yeah, that is a good thing. I wonder how I'm received in that world because it's a big leap for me, but probably more so for them and the association because World Rugby is so big. The fact that the referees come under that umbrella, obviously the World Cups come under the umbrella. It's very corporate environment, and as you know. Frank, we've known each other a long time. I'm not that corporate. Yeah, yeah, I do know that. Yeah. Um, but I suppose, I suppose what, what, what are they employing you for? You're, I mean, Creative uh, director. Hey, there you go. I've you got know. to have genuinely got a passion to try and bring the game into the the new age. Sounds like it is a really old school game. It isn't, but from a media entertainment 
participation and engagement online. And I've driven a Land Rover. They're brilliant cars. We want to bring it into the, like, not the Discovery. We want to bring it into the Defender. Okay. A bit more edgy, <laughs> yeah. you know, and... Uh, I'll take your like, word for it. But I, I think that's smart by them. I think yeah, it's smart by word. Thank, thank you, Frank. Yeah, it no. show, shows foresight. And, it, like, it's not a world that I, I know much about because we'll probably get into it later. I, I tend to hide away from social media, but fairness to them, that they, they know that's important in the game at the moment and to grow the game. You can see that across other sports. So good luck with it. Well, that's the thing. I think it's they're seeing what other sports are doing and yeah. something needs to change. There needs to be a seismic shift in the media, entertainment, and also the collaboration. Like As in, we are so uncollaborative when it comes to sharing content, having discussions, yeah. having fun. It is quite closed off. And that's, Frank, that's why you're here, mate. You're here for all them reasons today. And let's, Well, that's why I'm nervous too, you. Uh, well, I'm not going to open you. I'm not going to ask you about Yaka, Yako, Yako, Yaka. I'm not going to ask you about Yako Piper. We're not allowed to call him Piper either. It's Pe Pepper? Yako Piper? You're, you're doing fine. Am I? That's <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll stick to Yako Piper. Look, yeah. this isn't about that. This is more just going through the archives because people will think, what's Jim doing in the studio with Frank Murphy? He's 10 years older than Jim, as in... <laughs> <laughs> I Wikipedia. You're a year younger than me. Correct. If Wikipedia is correct. Wow. It says that Andy Goo's 75 kg, so you could and, say... Andy Goo taught me not. a lot of lessons about about that type of thing and how to prolong your career, so we'll leave it at that. <laughs> but we did play at Leicester together back correct. in the day. And that's another reason I'm a bit worried about this. We're not bringing any of that up. <laughs> I have parked that firmly in the closet. Great but times, though, Jim. Great times. Frankly, amazing times. Mm. You think about the people that were there and the characters at Leicester... And what's kind of come out of that? And I say, that time we had the English legends of 2003, your Jonos, Ben Kay, Neil Back, Richard Cockrell, Graham Roundtree, Austin Healy, if you can call him a legend. He's a nice There lad. you go, yeah. I like well, him. But, well, you said it, but yeah. But also an influence of Irishmen, not just any Irishman. Like, you lads were brilliant. Yourself, Leo Cullen, Shane Jennings, Johnny Murphy, and then we had Castro living down the road as yeah. well. Ian Humphreys. Ian Humphreys. David Humphreys' you know, yeah. brother. I think we had eight of us. There's a great picture of us actually all together, the eight Irish lads. So it helped. It helped. Like, it helped us settle into that, that scene, but it was an easy scene to settle into. It was like, it was... Um, it was such a good move for my career. Uh, I, I was in... Uh, I was Munster at the time. Munster... You know, you, you remember, it was just kind of the start of professional era. Like, you know, we were getting things going. It was about, that was 2006 when I joined Leicester. So we we're about, you know, eight or nine years into it. But I grew up in a junior rugby club, which is you know, not underage rugby club, but, you know, it's below senior in, in, in Ireland. And it was just, I love being part of that club. I still love being part of that club, Crosshaven Rugby Club. I, lo I love walking into place. Munster wasn't like that for me. Munster was more of a representative thing. It was, um, you did the match and you kind of all departed and went your separate ways you're really proud of what you did but there was no coming to, no club feel and when I went to Leicester it was like playing with Crosshaven mm. uh, the way the lads looked after me uh, when my family came over the way they looked after my, my old man when he was there like it's uh, it was fun yeah it was good fun it really good was fun. and we lived on a closed off estate do you remember Freeman's Meadow? Correct. Yeah. Where we all bought I did you buy one there? No I was oh lucky so, you yeah, yeah, yeah. so myself <laughs> Johnny Murphy and Ian Humphreys, we bought these lavish townhouses, which were going to be the next big thing. I remember, yeah. In I think you were pushing it. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I'll tell you now, I've been stitched with it. But I had a footballer who played for Australia. Yes, I remember him. Who yeah. lived next, wild, loose, who lived next door to me. And it was one of these new builds where the walls are so, like, it's like plasterboard, right? So you can, <laughs> you could literally put your hand through the wall. Castro did put his hand through a few yes. of the walls. 
But I remember he left and was like, I'm not paying for it anymore because it, he paid 300 grand for it and it was worth about 100 grand. It was an absolute uh, nightmare. That, that was the worst investment I have ever made. But some great memories have opened my door. You were opposite, were you opposite me? I was in, uh, I think Homs was opposite. I was up in an apartment somewhere, kind of. I could get away when I needed to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Swift exits. I remember just opening the door, just looking through. It was, they were brilliant times yeah. at Leicester. They really were. I think the foundations, like anyone who you speak to, like Leo, right, Leo is as straight as they come, but we know he's not. Like, he's, you, there, <laughs> yeah. there's an, he might be straight now, but. I know Leo as Leo that was at Leicester having a few beers and them relationships that are so deep-rooted and authentic. Yeah. That's why they were so special. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And, uh, Leo, Leo's a funny one for me. He's, I, I get to see him when I referee his team, but, you know, um, he's just a great guy. He's just, you know, he's he's down the line. He's he's honest and uh, I really enjoy working with him. And uh, we probably have that relationship from back then, but... Like the way the game is now, Jim, and you probably find find it when you're doing all this work. Rugby's so small, and we're there's something about that club in particular. There's so many people I know from that in in every place I go, uh, whether it's you or or, or Leo or, or or Andy Goode who you're working with. You know, it's like it's a small small world, and it's but it's uh, it's really stuck to me. Um, those relationships we've had in Leicester. Uh, mm. so I, I kind of find myself very lucky that that we had that. Yeah, absolutely. And then off the back of that, when you look into the future, I don't think you probably saw me sat in here doing a podcast in the media. I can tell by the wry smile. Not, and I potentially, well, I didn't see you being a referee. It's amazing <laughs> how you go from, what age were you there? 23, 20? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. To, yeah. what are you now, 48? You're younger than you. Oh, yeah, younger. Yeah. Okay, so Wikipedia. 36. Yeah. Um, being a referee. So how does one come to get into that role? And again, just... There seems to be this trend as well with scrum halves that I've yeah. picked up. Yeah, there is. And I, I don't know where that's come from, but possibly we're best suited to roll. But um, that's not why I was approached. I uh, I finished up in Connacht. Uh, I, I did 13 years professional, which I, I was incredibly proud of. And I, like when I finished, I was happy to be finished. You know, that type of way. Mm-hmm. Like there was no, uh, there, there was options to go other places. I just didn't want to. I was like, I'm done. I had a really bad knee injury the year previous that I came back. So I, I had a year out. Really wanted to get back from that. Did another year and I just, you know, there's like guys like Kieran Marmion now in, in Connacht just passing me out and I was like, oh, I don't have to fight in me anymore. You know, that type of way. <laughs> I didn't want to hold a tackle bags and want to be hit, hit, hit on the ground. So um, I was I was ready to stop playing rugby. So that, that was really good. And then in fairness to my wife, she said to me, Frank, you know, you've done it for 13 years. Don't stress yourself out. Just take six months off. We moved back to Cork where we're from. Um, and, that, and that was really good advice from her. And I kind of just got to sit back and reflect and... I think about five mon- months after I finished playing, I was at a at a wedding and a friend of mine I played with in it years and years ago in a club called a big club in Ireland called Corkon, um, really well known club, a re- lot of history too. But I played with him there for a year, and he had started refereeing, and I said, "Oh, wouldn't mind giving it a go." You know, <laughs> the next day he had talked to his boss. I got a phone call, and I was about three days later, was, uh, up in a golf club where this guy was a member practicing my whistle tone. So. <laughs> straight into it really um, which was bizarre for me hang on you're practicing your what whistle tone hit me hit me with a, what, what that means oh, like so so this is this what I was like when they said to me oh Frank you need a referee but we've got to teach you how to blow the whistle I said are you having a laugh <laughs> teach me how to blow the whistle <laughs> but you have to learn all these little things and parts of the game well, it's like, a big you know, thing for, the whistle's for, the thing it's yeah, the tool for credibility of decision but it was just bizarre having to do it and uh, yeah that's how I started go on then no hang on a bit more about the whistle <laughs> 
anyone can whistle. It's not as simple. Is there a, an art to it? What does it mean specifically? I mean, for the people out there that are desperate to be referees. Yeah, imagine. Imagine. I'm telling you now, Jim, pick up a whistle. Some people can't blow it that hard. I reckon so I could blow a whistle hard. Hard. We'll It's not like a bagpipe, is it? I'm really disappointed we don't have one. <laughs> yeah, I could try one. I've, hey, I've, I've had a whistle blown in the air a few times. Yeah, I know that. It's, it's a thing. It's a thing like signalling. So the other thing that happens when you start refereeing is you go out and you do your games, you think you're great, and then you watch your first video back and you see yourself giving a holding on signal or, and you're like, oh my God, what am I doing? So it's, mm. it's just a thing, like it's a skill that you have to practice. Oh, I look um, at refereeing, I think, and again, knowing having you on, but also when I had Luke Pierce on as well, was watching the positioning that you had to be in. Mm. And maybe that is why, as a scrum half, you're probably more suited because you're as a well, all your life as a scrum half, you're 100%. in that position, yeah? Yeah, 100%. That, that's the biggest uh, advantage I found when I started is that it, it was very similar to the lines I would have taken as a nine. So I'm just running to rock. And even now, I'd be kind of known within our group in, in Ireland as being very close to the rock. Not always a good thing, but I can get there and kind of and, and get out the way. Um, it, it depends on what, 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 way you, what style of refereeing you have, but it's good for me. But I, certainly that comes from my history of playing number nine. So. Mm. Yeah, probably suits the other guys as well. Yeah, so you get picked up, you do your whistle. What do you call it again? Whistle tone? Ah, let's move on from that. Yeah, we'll move on from that. So you learn to blow the whistle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then the path, uh, the, when I looked at you and Carl Dixon as well, mm. the acceleration in that space, yeah, was there an appetite from, is it world rugby, the the body, or who's put you in that position to put you on that fast track? Because it is a fast track. Oh, well, I, well, in my case, I can't speak. Carl was a bit different the way they handled him, but in my case... They uh, definitely fast tracked me, no doubt about it. But you had to, you had to meet the expectations. You know, you had parameters to meet, and kind of getting back to to my roots. I loved that progression because what happened is I I'd stopped playing. Like I said, I'd taken about six months out, and I started missing the game a bit. And I didn't know how I was going to get back into it. And what happens when you start refereeing in Ireland is you start at the bottom. So I, like back doing junior clubs, which is where you know I was brought up doing. So I ended up back in Cork refereeing starting my refereeing career the exact same way I started re my playing career you know going to those clubs and visiting the same places moving up to the school system which is I don't you probably know from talking to, to different guys but the school system is huge in Ireland and it's why we're probably so successful at the moment but then refereeing the school system onto all Ireland league exact same path and then you're kind of entering into you know underage internationals and professional game if there was a real nostalgia to it and I, and I really enjoyed it so it was uh, that was a good time. Yeah, I mean, it, again, just to add on to that, and I know you were close to playing for Ireland. You played a few A games, mm. played in some big games. What's the biggest game that you referee? Just to give listeners a context of well, you go from grassroots schools and then Frank Murphy ends up near the top of the tree. I've seen you referee in some big ones. What's your biggest one? Well, the biggest one I've done recently was, was Scotland, New Zealand. So mm. I'm not on the test scene in terms of refereeing um, uh, all that long. But I, I've, I've done uh, two tests. Uh, COVID really kind of stymied like where I was in terms of progression, but uh, I've done two tests uh, since the summer. Um, so certainly the, the Scotland-New uh, Zealand game was the biggest international. I saw you I've in done. the tunnel, didn't yeah. I? I, was, I saw you that day. Yeah, there was yeah. obviously a lot going on. You were... It was a bit, it was a big game. Uh, you know, the, Daddy was there for the last yeah. time and stuff, as it, as it turned out, and it was really emotional. It was, uh, oh, it was one I'll never forget. Oh, I'll I mean, that game, the emotion in the stadium oh. was like something I have never experience because that game Doddy was going to bring the ball out mm. and as we know he was in a wheelchair and he was deep into his MND a lot yeah. deeper than any of us thought 
And then there was a big delay, wasn't there? Because we were like, well, what's going on? Doddy's not bringing the ball. And then he brought the ball out. Yeah. And the emotion, you went over, didn't you, with the Well, the two captains, the captains. over and, and both players from both sides went over. So I kind of made my way over as well. But you could just see on everybody's faces the emotion. It was, it was, it was incredible. Yeah. It really was. I'll never forget that. Yeah. But that's the thing about refereeing. It gives you such opportunities to be in these places. Probably like your own job that I didn't expect to be in after I finished playing. Mm. Um, another one was, I didn't referee the game. I, I, I touched on it, but... After Axel Foley passed away, which which is so sad for all of us in Munster um, and in Ireland, uh, New Zealand Maoris came over to play Munster, uh, and mm. I touched I touched that game. It was it was horrendous yeah. conditions, but again, it was a sim. It, it was that kind of you know the hair standing up on your arms kind of feeling when um, you know they presented the jersey, mm. the whole crowd was standing up like it was torrential rain, but the noise it was. Um, it was a really nice occasion to be part of to commemorate such a great, a great guy, you know. Uh, so it gives you those opportunities, like I said. It's, yeah, it's special. It is. We're at this weird age, aren't we, Frank? Because we are. Let's just put it out there. You're nearly forty. I've just turned forty. We've lost some great men along the way, oh. and I don't know whether it's the moment in time. It's just life, isn't it? When you're a young lad, you're going through. There's not a lot happening. There's obviously tragedy within that, but you know, like I just think about the people that we've lost, like yeah. Tom Tierney. The other week, Sarah Rambini that we played with, Stephen yeah. Booth, they're three Leicester lads that we've played yeah. with. Yeah, it's, uh, it's just sad, isn't it? Yeah, it's, uh, it's hard to take in. And like you said, they're you know just guys in their prime as well. You know, great guys, and yeah. you'll always remember them. The moments we had with them, yeah. that was back like when we were you know all lads, loose, and, yeah, loose, yeah, and fun so, and smiling. So that's you know that makes it a bit more sad when you start thinking about it. Yeah, and the smiling element to it, I'm very conscious now in this role that I want to enjoy it. Right, I don't want to be going out getting absolutely blitzed and it becoming a burden uh, this is brilliant the fact that we're chatting I and mean, I've not spoken to you properly in ages and now we're in the studio talking but you're also seem like you really enjoy it. you've always got a smile on your face like it seems like you yeah. are like you're a smiler anyway and so we might hate that because you're a referee like what's he laughing at but you are you seem very happy I enjoy it, what I do yeah. I enjoy what I do you know, I'm in a weird situation. I'm an ex-player does it, like, and, and there's only a handful of us who can kind of really have a handle on this but like for Carl or, or Nick Berry or some of the other guys, Johnny Lacey, uh, previously, like I, I've had to referee my ex teams. Some people don't like that. Some people do like that. But I think one one of the hardest things I had to do to start my career was was referee Connacht, um, who I played a hundred times for, um, and I was really nervous about that that game. And I was I was just starting out, and uh, I remember talking to my team during the week and saying, right, we we get to the sports ground, we're we're tuned in, we're going to be uber professional. This is what's going to happen, and uh, went in. Knocked on the Connacht door, do the front rows chats, looking for the front rows, and before before any of them assembled, like John Muldoon straight over the biggest hug I've ever got. I'm like, <laughs> the lads are just laughing. I was like, uh, you know what? You just have to be yourself. Mm. You've no choice because it's the way rugby is. You know, it's all about relationships, and the more yourself. And I, I think I've heard you speak about this in your own world. I think the more natural you are, uh, the better you do your job. Yeah, you've got to be you, haven't you? And I suppose yeah. that must have been really difficult. And that was something that I was going to ask. Like you go into a changing room, and people know the Frank that I know. Yeah. And you're in this position of extreme powers. It sounds like I'm I'm over egging it, but you are the man in the middle, the man with the whistle. You know how to blow it, and you're there having to make big decisions against you know lads that you like and some that you might not like as well. Yeah. 
And uh, well, how did you deal with? Yeah, how do you deal with that? Once you get on the pitch, genuinely, it's not a factor because mm. because you're 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 in flow, you're in kind of in the zone. You know, it's you like have, playing against your mates. So I suppose you know if you play against your mates when it, yeah, you don't you don't you don't yeah, think about it. Do you? Yeah, exactly. You know, unless <laughs> and a bit different, you might have opportunities. You might have opportunities as a referee, you know, in, a, in downtime or whatever. But genuinely, it, it's not it's a it's not a factor. Mm. It really isn't. I suppose the, the the other hard thing is when when I started out, not 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 so much anymore. But when you go and do that front row chat, it's like if you know one of the lads, and and it doesn't happen anymore to me. But when I really when I first started, I remember doing an All Ireland League game, and an ex Connacht player was was the hooker of that team, and he as soon as I walked in, he just started laughing. I just said, I I just have no, I I can't because he knew I'd be bluffing, particularly at that stage of my career. Mm. I'd be I have. A bit more uh, knowledge about me in terms of that uh, factor of the game now, but at that time he knew, I knew. I just walked out. I said, "Good luck, lads. <laughs> Have a good one." But that's all you can do. That's it's like the do. imposter syndrome, though. I suppose there's an at element that time, of that, yeah, yes. yeah and because you've been fast tracked yeah, into yeah, that. And yeah. there's a be. I, I think I think there's a romance around that. Like it's yeah. it's nice. It's nice to have that. But I suppose, like you said, going back, if it's a completely different team and no one knows you, you're the referee. But until these lads retire. But then they become coaches like Leo or John they Muldoon. Do. Lots of them, yeah. I'd, I'd say there's not a there's not a team in in our league anyway that were probably have built some relationships outside of my playing days. But there's always someone involved with the club that I would have played with. Mm. So that's that's the way I look at it. You're going to have relationships with every club, so I think that's a good thing. When you chat to the front rows, yeah. is there an element of like you know? And again, this might be harsh, but. You're talking to them about keeping the scrums up and all these different things. Like, there must be, and you probably probably won't answer this. Like, no one's got no idea. Once you get out there, <laughs> you've got no idea what's going on. No one's making the right decisions half the time. Is that the hardest part of the game as a referee? You might be opening yourself up here, but I think it is an Did, obvious. The scrum one. are speaking to them pr- pre-match, both properly. <laughs> it's the same, is it not? Ah, uh, well, I've again, you know, with a bit of experience, when I go into the dressing room now, I, I don't speak to them about keeping the scrum up or driving straight or I want your bind here or there because, you know, I've never been in a scrum. I don't know what it feels like. Like, that's that's up to them. But what I do say to them is, this is the way I'm going to call the engagement. I might be longer here than other referees. I need you, I need you to do this for me at this particular moment. And I, 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 I try to control what I can control and I can control that because that's what I'll control on the pitch. Um, when you get out there, if I think the biggest thing is we're like kind of getting into technical rugby stuff now. But if if you we can get that set up right that I'm trying to control, then after that you just have to pick the most obvious picture. It's not easy, like you said. Mm. There's two sides of a scrum. Um, nobody wants to see multiple resets, but you know I think I think the the good referees um, are decisive and make decisions and just move on with it. Yeah, I think the ones who make the quick decisions yeah. and there's an understanding again. And we were talking in the green room. Sounds so posh. <laughs> I've got such an easy job. I'm watching it on TV. Rewind, play. You get multiple camera angles. It's like, right, that's the wrong decision. That's the wrong decision. <laughs> A lot of decisions that are made at the scrum are wrong. And it's the impossible task because you, with players that are trying to manipulate the situation, the soft hit, an over hit. And everything else that goes with it, the you know the old school dark arts of it, it must be a really difficult part of the game and one that I'm talking about creatively about how we can potentially change that. You know, would it be worth, you know, like the NFL or like Rugby League have done before having two referees in there? I don't know, but it is the big part of the game that feels like there needs to be not a seismic shift. I've used that term already yeah, on this yeah. podcast, but it feels like the one frustration in terms of a historic part of the game, scrum, line out, breakdowns, 
the laws, the identity of the game, yet it's the most difficult one to consume as a fan for casual fans. But also because a lot of the time the decisions, it's a 50-50. 50-50. And the problem is when, the, when those 50-50s are big decisions which result in three points or a kick in mm. corner. But my opinion, I, th- I think the scrum is, is, is moving towards a really good place. I think in World Rugby you've got um, Micron um, liaising with all the World Rugby co- scrum coaches. I think I think that's really helped us. Who's that, sorry? Mike Cran, who had been ex-New Zealand scrum okay. coach. Um, I think that's really helped us. I, th- I think uh, he does a really good job with them. There's a lot of buy-in from the coaches now. Um, there's a lot of more, lot more discussion. And I think we've seen a lot more positive action. I think I think in the England, in the final game of the Six Nations, England, Ireland, England, I thought the scrums were, were really good. And, I, and, and what I liked about it as well is Yako, who's the referee, had a, had a few problems in the first few scrums kind of laid down the law and then we got some really good pushing contests which was great to see so yeah. I really enjoyed that actually No, I agree I, I I did think the scrums in that game did turn out to be a positive there was a headline thing out there I'm not expecting you to comment on that I don't think it's fair <laughs> I've opened myself up here oh, I know you, you segue it was a lovely <laughs> did, a did. lovely lovely segue yeah. Frank but these are the topical things around some of the big decisions mm. now as a a young referee in the middle of that when these big things happen and the crowd get involved and if we go big, a big Six Nations game, it, someone <coughs> like Yako in that, it's a, it's a Grand Slam decider for Ireland. It's Johnny Sexton's final game mm. um, in the Six Nations. Like There's a load of emotion around that game. Does that matter? Does he feel that? Do you feel that as players? And I know the emotion of everyone coming over, but as referees... Do you feel that how difficult is it to take yourself out of that situation? And I suppose this is answer if you answer this one first because you mentioned it there, like you're having a team talk collectively as a group, like it's a test match for you as well. Yes, you know, so it's not you go out on the piss the night before, have a skin full, you're absolutely <laughs> loving life, watching the hacker unfold, watching the anthems Ireland England unfold, like as in it is business. So you are in razor sharp. You're deep within the emotion. You must feel that in the middle, right? Yeah, of course you do. Mm. Once you see that on screen, you know this is a big moment. But but that's kind of our skill set. That's what we train for, and that and that's that's why the top referees in that position. You know, does does that make it easier? Of course it does, because because we train for it and um, we prepare our team for these situations. But there's just there's just some incidents at the game at the moment that are really hard to make judgments on because of where the game is, and you know we want to protect player safety. And I think if we keep that as our foundation. Um, I think that's the most important thing. That's the hard thing, right? And again, going back to how I tweeted about it after, and loads of people jump on it, good and bad. Spoke about it on the rugby pod with Goody. And again, again, the, not the naivety, but I'd say the way that I am, I've gone all in. Definitely not a red card. Ridiculous decision. And I still feel that. But it's understanding that your responsibility as referees, first and foremost, is safety. Course. And the yeah. pressure and the burden that you must feel around that, if something like that happens, I suppose that's why it is easier to go red than to not, you know, for players lying down there and Hugo Keenan looked like he was concussed. There's a part of me now in hindsight, which is a great thing, where I'm like, I can see why he yeah. has red card, even though I don't think it is. I can understand why with the pressure of that player safety. Yeah, I, I suppose, getting to your point, do we feel that pressure? Like, We've come a long way since kind of the start of COVID or the last World Cup where where the way we deal with those situations is different now. We have a really good 
um, head contact pro- process, which which we follow, um, which which I think I think and some people might disagree, but I think we get really consistent decisions out of it. The problem is when you when you get grey areas that are that are that are difficult, and you're just going to get them in the game. You're going to get one every few games where people are going to be split down the middle. You allowed to say what you thought or not? Is that too much? Um, no, I'm not, I'm not going to say it. Tomorrow, yeah, what I thought, but you know that because there's other factors involved that that has to go to judicial and. Uh, they have to make a judgment on that, so it would be wrong wrong for me to comment. But uh, all I all I'd say is that you know those, those decisions are difficult to make; they're just not easy. No, I, I can <laughs> yeah. see. I, yeah. I think refereeing a rugby match, the way things are now, yeah. is one of the hardest jobs in rugby at that level because of everything that comes with that. I don't mean you know the the, the whistling and the jeering and stuff like that. That's drama. I like a little yeah. bit of that, but even me putting a tweet out of how divisive and how aggressive people come back. I can't, yeah. I can't imagine what what it's like to be a referee. You, again, you can, I think you are on social media, aren't you? You're closed off potentially. Um, You're not Frank. You're Steve. No, I'm not. I'm Frank, but I, no, I'm not. Like, I'm not on Twitter. Mm. I, I That's I, the one. That's the horrible I one. Just, That's the I poison. Just, I just don't get. I don't get it. Some some of the lads are. Some of the lads aren't. For me, it's just it's just not a thing. Like, I, I just can't go on. I have no no business to be on there because all you're going to see like what 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 do I want to see when I go under? Do I want to see oh, Frank, you, Frank Murphy made a good decision? I'm not going to see that. You're not going to see really that. You're not going to see that ever. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Uh, it, so, it might get you look a million dollars because you look good. Hot oh, spot, thanks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Go- Goody might say that the odd time and, and yeah. then might and blast one of my decisions or something like that. But I, I, you know what? I don't mind that, but I just don't. I just don't put myself in that position to read it. Yeah, I um, can now that can be frustrating. Other things, you know, like. Good example is one of the websites in Ireland that covers all the sports. Um, I'm a, I'm a big sports fan, of course. I am. You know, I've been involved in sports all my life. I can't even really go on that anymore. Not because of the headlines, but because I might flick down. I I, I flick down. It, was, it wasn't even my match, and I was reading the bottom of the article, and it was something like, "At least it wasn't Frank Murphy this time." And I'm like, oh, "That's going to be in my head for the week now." You know, because yeah. it does. Those things stick in your head. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I, no, no matter who you are, it, it'll always affect you. I think. So, so I just remove myself from it. And just, mm. just leave people at it, mm. and I get there's going to be, you know, that's, that's our job. People are entitled to, to make comments on our decisions. Um, it's a hard job. Uh, I'd like to see some of those guys do it who make the comments, but they're entitled to do that. So off with them. Well, I could, I don't think I can blow this whistle that you're talking about. This special whistle, I don't <laughs> think I'll be able to blow it. Yeah. But I, even being in the stadium now, there has been a, a big shift in the interaction with the referee. So I went to a Scotland game and sat, sat with the fans and my family, quite high up, couldn't see a thing. You've got to think I'm a self-proclaimed expert, understand the game, but I was struggling to see even who was who, like entry yeah. points into the breakdown. You're just watching at a much wider scale and the people like these like, fucking, fucking sea, like shouting the sea bomb out, ref, you fucking... Like like football, like aggressive. Yeah. Whereas in football, it's much easier, you know, to pass judgment on different things. It's quite a simple sport. And I'm there. I'm like, mate, you ain't got a clue. Like, you, literally, I can't see what's going on. I don't know. And again, it's the easy. That's a societal thing. That's yeah. you know, there's been a a shift in that in rugby. Absolutely. I I, I just don't know. I I can't I can't really remember when we were playing what it was like. Were, were fans like that with the referee or not? No, no, no they you weren't. don't think so. I don't think so. Um, I do know what like like if if my wife brings my daughter to a game, she, she'll tell everybody around them. Oh, really? That might just so you know that this is the referee's daughter because she asked her. Because maybe you're talking the really bad scale, but even on like everybody's going to shout at the referee at some stage in the game. 
everybody, even if it's just like offside ref or whatever. But so, um, but so if my daughter comes, my wife tries to protect her. I think that's good, and that's they lovely. do. And I tell you something, they do. People oh. and they make such an effort when when she tells them, and I think that's a really nice part of rugby that people respect that. And, yeah, that's still there. Yeah. Like absolutely, I think there's a tribalism in sport and society, and you that kind of mob mentality. Like I, I've been to football matches, I can see it, hmm. and then they go off and they go back into the offices and accountant on Monday, and they're the different person, different alter ego. But that's that's nice yeah, that, no, it is that nice. she does that. I think it is important because you want your family to be a part of your second career. Well, exactly. And it's a weird thing. Like, mm. You know, coming to watch the referee. There's no, there's no winners, you know. <laughs> You're only kind of coming for the occasion and because I want them there and they want to see me as well on the pitch. You know, it's nice to see your dad out on the pitch in a big game. But yeah, it's, it's a weird one bringing someone to watch a referee. <laughs> what you say afterwards. Well, right. This is what we're doing. We're trying to make it yeah. cooler. Like, no, as in no, it, it, you know, it is kind of cool. Like, you know, I, I like, again, use my daughter's example. She gets a lot, you know, a lot of people say, oh, I saw your dad on TV last week. And, you know, which is great for her. It's nice. There's that side of it. But uh, getting people into refereeing, I absolutely love it. Gen- genuinely. You can say you love it. Yeah. Uh, so, like, I, I, could, I couldn't recommend more to get into it. And even, even at the lower scales, I mean, I think it's, it's even... In some ways, it's nicer. I mean, um, one of our ex-pro referees, he, he retired from pro refereeing recently and he, and he went back and he stayed involved in the All-Ireland League and he goes to All-Ireland League games now and refs them, refs them really well. Coaches love him because he's that, that high a standard. But what he does after every game is he has a few pints in the pub, clubhouse. Um, he gets someone to drive him, one of his friends or his wife, um, has two pints, has, has great fun with the guys and then goes off home. He loves mm. it, goes off every weekend. And he, and he was a guy who probably was a bit fed up with the pro game, particularly because COVID had come in and stuff, um, where everything got very sterile. So that side of refereeing, there, there's, you know, we're very lucky in our sport that there's such respect for the referee. Mm. And uh, I think he's making advantage of that now, but back <laughs> back in the in the All-Ireland League. So, What's yeah. the worst thing that's happened to you as a ref? So you've mentioned there, you go online and look at something, but that's there wherever that's, if you go looking. But for you personally, has there been anything after a game? Has anyone recognised you? Or not? Has it been fairly decent? Yeah, very, very little, Jim. Very little. So, so, some coaches have had very emotional reactions after the game, but again, I understand that because mm. it's emotional and it's and it's directly after a game, and, and maybe you did, you know, mess the game up in in some way. So I can go and understand that, but there's there's no big moment that I can think of that that um, really upset me, um, which I think is great. Yet. 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 Yeah. But hopefully not. Hopefully not. Hopefully no. not. Yeah. yeah. I think it's something that we have to fight for. I kind of keep that respect to the referee and you know you kind of when you said that about being up and standing people you know cursing or whatever you know, that's not nice to hear because I'm not fully aware of that you know you get booed and of course you mm. do big moments like that go on screen and stuff like that but I, I, I wasn't aware that people were so kind of visceral towards us But I think it was the England-Scotland game yeah, so it's a bit different then isn't it yeah yeah that was proper tribalism yeah okay it is who is the who's the OG who's the best ref if you can share that or like either now or that's retired, that you look up to? Like, so for me as a player, it could be, I don't know, Martin Johnson back in the day. Loved a bit of Rob Wainwright as well. It's so funny because coming from a playing background, like I got kind of thrown into refereeing, so I, I never like, I talked to some guys and they're like, oh, remember that game and so-and-so ref today. I was like, did he? <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't, who, uh, <laughs> no idea. Yeah, not, not really sure, as, as you know, as you would be and stuff. But I suppose we're really lucky in Ireland that we have... Uh, and you probably know him well. He's probably refereed a lot. Johnny Lacey is our high performance mm. coach, um, and it's quite, it's quite funny actually because Johnny was my academy coach in Munster as well in terms of rugby, not refereeing. So it's kind of nice consistency again to have him coach me then and then into my into my refereeing career. But I kind of look up to him in a way because he he was an ex player, kind of followed his path. And he's 
he's done Munster and now, now he's coaching me. So he's kind of a, a real role model for me. I, I think I think referees is in a really good place at the moment. I think there's some really good referees out there. Uh, you you know well that I that I that I work with Andy Brace a lot. I think he's probably the most consistent referee at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like the way he referees. But I probably would say that because I work with him, mm-hmm. work with him a lot, and I enjoy working with him. But I, I think it shows on the pitch as well. But across the board, I, th- I think the, the standard of refereeing is 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 in a good place. Uh, there, you know, the game's harder than ever to referee. There's these big, huge moments on the screen. We are going to be talking points, but I, I think in general, I, I think we get under the radar and we do our job pretty well. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Is it like when you play a dip in form and then how you get that back or not? I was thinking about this the other day because I was thinking... For, for for a variety of different reasons. Um, but I was thinking about how, how I'm performing at the moment. And, you know, I was trying to assess my performances because I've, I've, I've had a bit of time off the way the Six Nations was selected and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm back out next week. And I think the, big, the one time I had a dip in form was probably, well, people will argue with this, you know what I mean? But in my own opinion, when I felt I wasn't refereeing as well as I could have was was COVID. Uh, when it, when that, that hit first, we kind of... Also changed a lot of things in the game, and you, you remember this. I mean, mm. we we brought in really strict high tackle process, and people are come to terms with it now. They weren't at the time, but we also brought in stuff like in front of the kicker, people couldn't understand it at the time. Um, you know, leading elbows stuff, people couldn't understand it. Extra rolls, which oh, I, I hate that one. The extra yeah. roll, just let it be. <laughs> but these were all brought in to make the game better. Whether you like it or not, that that's mm. what the that's what World Rugby are trying to do to trying to make the, the game faster, game better. I found it hard because I wasn't used to giving those penalties, mm. and we got a lot of flack for it. And I, and I and what what also happened is we ended up going from giving like fifteen penalties a game to about thirty five. Everybody, do you remember that? Yeah. People were kicking off massively, and I found that so difficult because mm. we didn't want it to. We didn't. We, we were very reluctant to do it as well, but. What I will say in hindsight, looking back at it, I think the game's better for it. I think our penalty counts are coming down. We're, we're back to around mid-20s now. We were looking at some stats the other day. Um, and certainly the example I use of people in front of kicks, that's opened the game up massively. More more ball in play. Um, so I can see it in hindsight, but that was a difficult time for me. Yeah. Um, so my learning kind of from that was that when new things come in, I've 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 got to adapt quicker. And, and just get on with the job because it affected the way I performed the pitch. I was thinking, I don't want to give this, but then I give it. It's mm-hmm. kind of, it doesn't look decisive then and I want to be a decisive yeah. referee. We all do. Yeah, absolutely. And that is the thing. It's because there is so much going on on a, yeah. a match in a, in a game of rugby where going back to how difficult it is, so many different laws, rules, yeah. interpretations, safety, you know, everything that goes around, around the breakdown, the entry points, players off feet, High speed. Yeah. It is a really, really difficult game yeah. to not only consume if you're a casual fan, but with these constant adaptations in the laws. Do you think that will settle 
or not? Uh, do you think they'll be, or evolve? I, I suppose is, is I think the a bit word. of both. I think we, we've done a lot of the groundwork now during those COVID years. Um, I don't think anything will change going, going into in, the world. Going into, mm. I, I don't think so. Um, and I and I and I think it's in a good place. Look, look. I genuinely, I thought the quality of Six Nations was outstanding. Some of those games were just. I mean that that Ireland France game was one of the best games I've ever seen. I saw Ireland I, again. You might know this because mm. you've just been with the coaches and stuff. But didn't they have the best? Disciplinary record in terms of yellows and reds. Am I right in saying or not? Um, I I probably should know that, but I actually don't know that. Yeah, but I, think I, I, but I wouldn't be surprised. Well, of course. So it does um, it cross over. Well, of course. If you're a disciplined side, you're going to give away less penalties, give away less points. Off the back of that as well was Scotland, right? So mm. again, we were chatting. Apparently, Luke Pearce is an happy with me because I revealed to the world <laughs> on Twitter, on Twitter that he apologised to Jamie Rich. He weren't in private. It was at the bar, for God's sake. Maybe that is a private, well, sacred place. And we just talked about him in private outside. So yes. now you've brought it up in here. Oh well. gosh, it's a double whammy. Is it? I like Luke. You know, Luke was in, great, in there, and he's very open, uh, modern, down with the times, apologetic when he needs to be. Like he apologised oh, to Jamie Rich. He lost us that. No, we actually. We won that game, did we? No, we didn't. No. Was it the Ireland game? Yeah, it was the Ireland game, wasn't it? He refereed that game. Right? He did. He went. Thank you, Frank. Yes. yes. He but, that game, right? but again, get back to your point. I, what I like about Luke is he's, he's so natural. Like He just is himself and it comes across on the pitch and people just like that, don't they? Mm. Um, once, once you do your job well, like you have to be accurate. You have to be in the right place at the right time, make the right, right decision based on information. But then if you can kind of be yourself on top of that, I think it probably humanises you a bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think he's more down the humanising of the Essex route. He's throwing a bit of money at himself, isn't he? Like fake tan. <laughs> I think it's, bit of it's tea. not fully fake I think it's tinted. Is it, tinted? Is it moisturiser? Yeah, yeah, Thank you for sharing, Frank. But I, I think he wasn't sure at the start, but then. They've got these ones that don't streak, though. So I yeah, saw exactly. him after the game. I was like, mate, we are in. It's February, March, and you've got a tan. And I know you've been referring. I don't What's think you've been to about? Dubai. Yeah, so there we go. So Frank Murphy's just announced that Luke Pierce is tinted moisturiser. Yeah. It he is. wouldn't be the only referee, but anyway. One thing he said, he was in the studio, was around his interaction with Billy Vanapola where he marched Billy back a couple of times. I've referenced the Jamie Ritchie one, which he didn't want publicly aired, and I apologise for that. I won't do it again. But that interaction with players, and again, you've played the game. I'm six foot nine in heels. I was captain for Gloucester back in the day. Big men, intimidating, yes. coming towards you. I know you... Well, you might feel the intimidation, but this is the art of captaincy. I was listening to Sam Warburton. He studied Richie McCaw. Yeah. Off the back of the Yako Piper instant in the Ireland-England game with the red card to Freddie Stewart, like how you manage that as a captain. And I've played with Owen. I see how he manages things. It's not great. Shouting. Bigger's the same. Johnny Sexton's the same. How important is that relationship with these captains and like how much do you value that as a as a referee in that interaction? I suppose, first of all, these guys, huge rugby IQ. They know what they're talking about. And mm. when they come to you, we've got to be careful because a lot of time, they're right. Mm. Do you know? But within that also, if someone's going to come to me in a game, it has to be at the right time. It has to be in the right manner. Because if you come someone roaring, shouting, you're, you're, you're losing the battle already because... This is just personally for me, I, I'm just not going to engage with, engage with the person because I don't want to have an argument on the big screen with a big personality, um, even if even if you are right. Uh, so so I, th I think, I really do think there's there's a way of doing things and I really do think it's important for the image of the game that captains do things in the right way. And I think, and I think, I think we're, we're moving that way and I, I, I really believe that. And I suppose the other thing that 
we need to do as referees we probably need to educate the teams and in, in some things that they want checked we just can't check you know the TMO cannot check everything in a game mm. there's certain protocols that we, we, we just can't we can't go back and change our decision and that might be a big decision it shouldn't be because protocols should allow us to check the big decisions but it might be a big decision for a captain but I think we've got to stick by them because all we're going to do then is we're going to start slowing the game down and we've worked so hard to speed the game up particularly in the last year I think we've got to keep moving forward towards that and, you know, we work towards ideals, but we're going to make decisions that are wrong as referees mm. and, and teams are just going to have to adapt to it. But I think the best process from a, from a captain's point of view is when something happens and we explain that we can't change that is find some downtime and come to us and say, well, this is what our issue was there. And then maybe something similar happens and we go, yeah, you're right. Or maybe you're, you're not right, but maybe, maybe they make a good point and then we can adapt to what they've said. But there's probably you're not going to get much joy from shouting at a referee anymore. Mm. You know? yeah, but, it's, you, but it's not a good look for the game, is it? Yeah, you can see that there has been yeah. a shift mm. around that. And maybe it's the characters that are now captain or influential leaders within yeah. their team. You think about the greats gone by. Again, it's a bit old school, isn't it, going through the archives of the likes of Richard McCaw. Never heard him speak to oh, referees yeah. or shout at referees. Even Martin Johnson you know, yeah. he had this thing where he went down on his haunches didn't he to make himself smaller and more inconspicuous yeah no it's a really interesting the psychology around that and then also a couple of points and arguments that you could make the human element of being a referee and making the decision on the fly but you've got the tmo but then the other argument could be and this is one that i've thought about and sat on and wonder whether or not they could bring this in as the man in the middle or the woman which is yes. great to see. Yeah, There's been a shift in that space as well. Oh, big time. Big shout out to Holly Davidson. Yeah, we're lucky in the URC. We've got, you know, Joy Neville and Holly Davidson. Yeah, Joy Neville's doing a, a lot. the two most high profile yeah. um, women doing it and doing it really well. So. Yeah. Well, I've heard Joy in the TMO box a lot recently. Oh, well, it's, it's a serious achievement for her to be yeah. officiating in the Six Nations. And yeah. It's, uh, it's a credit to her because she's really good. Big shout out. Big yeah. shout out to the, the two lovely ladies in the middle but with the TMO so the, the two arguments can be the guy in the middle or the woman in the middle making a decision with a little bit of input from the TMO the other argument could be is the person in the middle can stick to that and not have to worry about the burden of these big calls and just let the t I know remember we're living our life through the phones now yes. AI is coming AI is coming down the road and yep. potentially we're going to implant it into ourselves so why not have a TMO make them big decisions. They've got access to all the cameras and just say to you, I love the interaction, by the way, when the referees, you know, you go to the big screen and there's this inter. I love that. And I think it's important for the game that the fans, even more so, have more interaction, hear what's going on. But there could be an argument that says the TMO is arguably the most important person because they've got access to everything and they can take the drama and the hysteria and the emotion away from... You, as a referee, yeah. getting absolutely hounded. Good argument? Uh, not a bad argument, but, you know, there's there's probably, uh, like, an inequality of facilities across different competitions. Mm. To, I don't think it's fair to be able to do that in one competition, not another. Maybe you could do it at World Rugby um, on the big stage, you know, in the big stadiums, but, but certainly when we're back in URC or Champions Cup, we're not going to have facilities to do that at every game. What I like about what we do now is is you have a clear leader of, of the process and, and and that's us as referees on the pitch if we're in the middle um, and the TMO is just there to facilitate the situation. But I think that I think that 
on the whole, Jim, I think that works pretty well. I think it's in a, it's in a good place. Um, there's certain trials going on in Super Rugby at the moment, so we'll see how they go. Where where the TMO kind of is doing that, so they they'll refer a yellow card to they'll put a yellow card, watch two re- replays, make a decision. Uh, if they think it's yellow red, they'll just give it to the TMO and he'll come back with a decision mm. eight minutes later. So we'll, let's see how that goes, because um, that's not far off what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, so that'll be interesting to see how it pans out. But at the, at the moment, you, you'd be surprised, particularly in the domestic competitions, how not poor the facilities are, but they're, they're not the high-end facilities you think they are. Yeah, they're you know, there's, there's somebody watching a screen mm. in a room upstairs in a stadium yeah. with seven-second delay and that's it. Yeah, well, I can't there's not, tell There's not screens said, every Yeah, week, exactly. You know? But yeah, I mean, the, the, you, the, there is a big gulf between club competition yeah, and, yeah. and internationals and the jeopardy's higher. Yeah, that's true. And all these yeah. things. And I think the other argument could be, and one thing that I've put into the mix and we're talking about at World Rugby Studios, which is the creative arm that I'm working for, is more interaction. So hear me out. Like, I think this would be quite cool. And you know, you had the captain's call. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> I did too, yeah, actually. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But as in you have a real interactive part of that. So maybe maybe it's two, maybe it's three, maybe it's one in a game. So the big call and then the game stops. You can allowed to put on some lovely Red Bull. Red Bull's a good <laughs> brand. Headphones go. on. Microphone, like NFL style microphone comes up on the big screen. Everyone knows what's going on, right? You're being challenged on this call. And there's a kind of collective decision to be made with the captain around. So I just think this is very American style. I was going to say it's very, it's very NFL. Um, but it works in we, terms of engaging with the crowd who have got no idea what's going on. I can see your point. But I mean, we did it. We tried, we tried the captain's challenge in a, in a competition called the Rainbow Cup, um, which kind of preceded URC. It was COVID, mm. kind of COVID period again, but... Uh, the interesting thing I got from that is is the captains didn't like it in the end. It, it wasn't us. We didn't mind. In fact, it, it turned out pretty good for us because m- remember we were just talking about the captains challenging us. So when they come to us saying, well, okay, would you like to challenge? And they kind of, then they were a bit, oh, mm. I don't, I'm not sure. Yeah, and then yeah. they go, oh, go on, so I'll put a challenge in. It would look ridiculous, some of the stuff that they'd, they'd put up there. So It was you, one a game, was it? They, yeah, but you could you you had won a game. This was the beauty of it. If, if you got it right, you kept it. And if you got it wrong, it was gone. I love that. <laughs> so like there was that kind of jeopardy that the captains had. And that's why they didn't yeah. like it in the end. Because I, I think... I well, they are the 50-50s, aren't they? Yeah, that. exactly. And I, I, what a captain would do to me, and maybe for a try situation, he'd say, oh, we want to check that try, Frank. And I said, okay, but for on-field, it was a try for me. Yeah, but we need to check it. For, okay, let's check it. And then we'd have no, we'd have no footage to prove my decision wrong. Okay, well, challenge overturned. You've lost your challenge. Off we go. Do you say anything? You might, I'd be like that. Booyah! I'd say something, but you're all mic'd up now, so you <laughs> yeah, can't say anything. Yeah. And you are. Fucking well, yeah, you. there is that element of it. We were probably getting protective about our own decisions, but but my feeling and from talking to the players, they, they didn't like it in the end. Mm. It's more interactive, though. I quite yeah. that, That's part of it. I think these big decisions, they need to find a way. Again, I get that there's a safety element to some of the big ones, but mm. making it more digestible for the casual fan to be like, right, what is going on here? Yeah. That's why I hate the double roll. That's the one for me. The double roll absolutely <laughs> breaks me. I'm like, come on, you talk about you talk about trying to speed up the game. That is speeding up the game. It's a double roll, bang, ball's gone, it's away. And you're pinging it and you know, someone might pick a scrum and then You've no, got four no, minutes of your no life's gone. No turnover, though. No turnover. Yeah, no turnover. Well, that's the bit where most people get injured in there, so that's a good thing. No, like, you, want, you want to transition. Transitions cause chaos. Yeah, I do like chaos. Yeah. I do. But I just think them ones that it's like you you want to speed the game up, yeah, you're slowing it down. 
in them instances? Uh, listen, like when, when someone makes a line break, Jim, and, and it's an extra role, um, sometimes we get that wrong because we're so, you know, in doctrine to, to give that. But gen- generally, our like our checkpoint for that is have they moved underground to prevent a jackal taking place? We're, tr- we're, not, we're trying to get away from giving the ones on line breaks where they kind of momentum takes them further mm. and stuff like that. But I, I can see your frustration. What about the feed? What <laughs> about the feed? <laughs> Frank, come on. That ball is going basically yes. straight into the number eight's feet. The number nine is allowed to align himself to the his side of the scrum with his shoulder on the centre line. He can put the ball in straight from there, which may look crooked sometimes. It may, it may do. You know as a scrum half that that ball is being blasted into the back because they want I know, the ball well, in I and spo- out. I suppose you have to hook. I mean, that, if you don't hook, you're sanctioned. Mm. So that... that that's helped a small bit. Any other ones that you would understand why people would be like, what is going on here? I'm going to throw another one that one. needs to change. I loved it as a player. The mall going forward. So, you know, you swim up the side of the mall and mm. all these things. And again, it's a part of the game which a casual fan don't really know what's going on. It's the dark arts of the game. And then it ends up in a bit of a melee. The mall's gone forward like a metre, maybe two metres, maybe even five metres, ten metres it's gone forward. And it ends up on the floor. And then, bang, whistle goes explanation around what's happened bang scrum to the opposition team for swimming up the side of them all but not changing their binds um that's just my opinion again you, not something you need to answer no, no, just... but, that, but that that's something that we talk about a lot mm. of course it is the line the line out is when you talk about the scrum earlier but the line out mall is is the most difficult area for us to visit there's so much going on and when you think about it there's only Say I'm the referee, I only have a, an assistant as far as there's only two of us looking and, and the amount of stuff we have to look at uh, to make sure we're accurate in that area is, th- th- there's a lot more than people people realise. But in the conversations we're having, we really want to get back to the mall being a pushing contest. Um, so what we don't want to see is, okay, yeah, people fully bound can, you know, work their way to, through, certainly through the model. That's brilliant. I love seeing, you know, some of the second rows are brilliant at getting through those seams and getting to the far side, the back end of the model. But when you're on the side, really what we want to see is we want to, people to stay bound. Mm. Um, and we, what we don't like to see is people at the back kind of attempting to pull people out because they're mm. not bound in, you know, they're not fully bound uh, on the arm. So that's something that we're looking at at the moment. Um, uh, and I, th- I agree with you. It's something we need to clean up. Yeah, they need to get rid of that. I don't know who they is. Well, are they my bosses? Your bosses, to, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll You're on that. it, Jim. You're on it. And the Caterpillar Rock as well. Goodness me. That's just got longer and longer now. It started off long at Saracens. <laughs> it started off long, then it got shorter. I can, you probably initiated it, did you? I, you must I, have been there with I, Saracens. Do you know why I initiated it? Humbly, I was charging people down to the cow sheds and back. So they were like, <laughs> we need to make this rook longer. Saris need to make it longer. Yeah. That was my super strength. It was mauling yeah. and charge downs. Charge downs. And a bit of cow rocking yeah, yeah, as well. Perhaps, yeah. But that's another thing, a bit of frustration. I mean, because it's the five seconds, isn't it? I, I suppose the empathy that you need. Mm. How funny, was it Joe Marler was counting down? One, two, three, come on, ref. Like these <sighs> lads just shouting, the gobby ones. I can see you shaking your head. Oh, it's just when, when you're there trying to control the offside line and they're five, four, it's, you know, it's, there's a lot going on. <laughs> there is a lot going on. <laughs> um, I, you know, they, maybe they could use their time better. I, I'm not sure, but I, like, I can see their frustrating frustration. Yeah. I think I think in fairness to the players, they've they've made that they've started to clean that up themselves and making sure that we have players bound so that they are shorter. You know these long binds again that we we're talking about in the mall. Um, you've seen seen a bit of that in the URC where people have come around and picked the ball up and scored tries. And in Europe, I think it happened with some of the South African teams. So 
Um, I think in fairness to them, they put pressure on us to, to to put the user call in there and also to make sure people are fully bound, which which helps a bit. Mm. Helps a bit, but again, maybe it's something that we need to need to tidy up. Take me through a working week. I'll start with a Monday. Monday's apology day, right? Is that when the emails go in and it's like, we're sorry that this happened? <laughs> Which <laughs> so, way? Which way? Either way. Ta- uh, take me through way. a working week of, um, <clears throat> let's go a test match and maybe we can start with there and then go through the amount of work that gets put in. So a test match has already been played, not week one. Let's go week two. So a game's already happened. People are raging at the referees. What's the interaction like? Do the referees send in clips? Vice versa, the coaches send in clips? Well, first of all, obviously with with a test match, you're you're going to be dealing with a referee and probably uh, two assistants and a TMO, possibly from, you know, four different unions. So you're probably, unless you're moving on to a test match the following week, you're probably not going to be all together in the same room or unless you get to debrief the next day if, if everybody's late flights, which is the idea, which is what we want to do. But it doesn't always transpire like that, so... Say in my case, what I what I would do is I'd watch the game probably on the Sunday if the game was on the Saturday. Um, I'd review it, big moments, you know, not not really detailed, but I'd go through the big moments, um, and then my coach will have sent me um, his thoughts on the game, which would be really really detailed, um, and I'll probably cross reference between what I've seen and what my coach's done. And myself and my coach will sit down nine o'clock Monday morning and we'll go through the game for about two hours mm-hmm. with both our notes in front of us um, and that's essentially that. that's the real review done after that then I'll contact my team um, they'll have sent me their notes this is assuming I'm the referee they'll have sent me their notes again I'll put them into my into cross-reference them against what we've done that morning um, and I'll speak to all of them on that afternoon um, and then what, what we have to do for test matches is we have to write up our review so what World Rugby like to do is they have a triptych, which is speed, which is about the breakdown, space, which is about offsides, and safety, which is about foul play. So they're the three main areas, and then you add on the two set pieces, line out, maul, and scrum. So you you write up a review of each. Each uh, there's a platform where we can do this, at which everybody can see who's involved in the referees and the officials. So we we write up a review, which is very detailed timelines, and then probably. There's there's four selectors, so we'll have then have that review as such with them in terms of our performance. So how our performance is rated. So we'll do that on a Tuesday morning, maybe any time after Monday. Monday could be Tuesday morning, could be Tuesday, but we like to get it done before Wednesday. And um, so we'll come to agreements on different clips, and essentially they'll rate, rate your performance. And we'll do that as a team on Zoom, um, which is one of the good things that's came out of COVID. That we we kind of do these things together on Zoom. And that can that can be intense, you know. If the game didn't go go well, it's it's hard to sit in that room and kind of be told that you didn't ref well. Mm. Um, but that's part of it, and you know we've got to learn from that. And maybe your job for the next game, or or maybe you ref really well, and it's you know it's a nice experience. On the rating, so is it out of ten? Like how is it just old school out of ten, or no, good, the, bad, what, what, indifferent? What, <clears throat> what what they do initially is they'll they'll go through all your penalties and they'll give you you know right or wrong. Uh, and then they'll do a list of non-decisions, things that we didn't pick up in the game. Mm. Um, so that that kind of goes into a matrix where you can see your percentage of accuracy. So that kind of forms a part of it. Um, um, what's a good percentage, just for the listeners? I think in World Rugby, you'd want to be over 90% Really? Accuracy. Okay, so it's high. No, it is high. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, we would hold ourselves to quite high standards. And even that, you'd be disappointed, very disappointed if you're below 90. Mm. Um, and you'd have that then, you know, in scrums and lineouts as well. And then, and then 
essentially the reviewer will write up your performance in the box and everybody will see how you got on. They don't really do it out of 10. They'll just say whether it was a good performance, an average performance, a poor performance. And you know, it's... Uh, Every week. That That's the high end of, of World Rugby. Mm. But the, as it filters through the competitions, very similar, very similar. And then in fairness, what we do really well um, is we, we, we meet on a group, obviously through Zoom, all the World Rugby referees at a time that suits everybody in both hemispheres. And... Uh, they review each game that say for the Six Nations they review three games on the Wednesday and they go through all the big moments and make sure that we're all aligned on the same page. So it's so it's it's an intensive few days. And well, if you that, but that Monday is that Monday is very intensive. Yeah, you you like because you're you're so drained from the game anyway, mm-hmm. and you get to the stage by Tuesday where you've watched the game three or four times and you're like and you've had comments from the outside. There's big decisions, kind of everybody's asking you about it. So and the coaches coming at that point because I, I know there is that the coach. coach. Sorry, the coaches we're, we're we're slightly removed from the coaches after the match, so they'll send stuff to the selectors, mm-hmm. and then if the selectors think it's relevant, they'll pass it on to us, um, which they do most of the time because in fairness to coaches, they're they're very good at. At picking out stuff that that's important and pertinent to the performance, uh, and then we ha- we're, we're asked to respond in kind. Yeah, um, you have to respond because Kieran Crowley mentioned that during the Six Nations there was an apology. Would that have been directly from a ref, or is that from the assessor, or is that from ge- World Rugby? Generally, I don't, I, I'm not sure what you're talking mm. about there, but very very little there be apologies. Well, what it would be would be yes, you're right. The coach would send something, and it would be clear that we're wrong, mm. and we just got to go. Yeah, you're right. We're wrong. There's not, there's not much else you can say, but then they might send a clip that's 50-50 and you say, oh, well, this is why I went this way instead of that way. And they might come back and say, yeah, I understand that. But I suppose I understand the frustration from a coach when he gets a message back saying, yeah, we're wrong, but there's, there's not much else you can do. But they have to understand that we we feel the, the repercussions of that through our selection. Mm. Necessary know? from them, but exhausting, I imagine. When... Exhausting, ex- exhausting, but it's not always exhausting. Mm. <laughs> you know? We don't ref bad every week. Yeah. You know? So that's Monday. You've done no training <laughs> I yet. Know, that, that's Monday and Tuesday. We, I train on a Tuesday um, at, uh, afternoon. Um, really lucky with, with our employers and the IRFU. They... They have they have uh, SNC guys in in place for all of us. So I've I've a program I follow with him on a on a Tuesday, which would be you know weights pre- prehab. The big weights thing, weights weights. I know leg yeah. weights. But, but the thing for that for me, particularly you know I'm thirty nine now, is um, injury prevention. You know you know you don't want to get on the pitch and get injured. It's, it's, um, it's well, it's embarrassing as a referee to get injured. You <laughs> very rarely see it now as well. You very rarely see it, but we put a, w- a lot of work in the background, and then you do a running session on on that day, probably conditioning, and then Thursday you do a gym session, and you probably do a speed session. Uh, obviously, the, the conditioning and speed are are much more relevant to the game. What kind of stuff? Just specifically, so on a Tuesday you're running the afternoon. Yeah. How if, far? Well, it'll be like a conditioning session, so you know it'll be tempo runs or you know like something akin to. To interval running, like you know, we 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 test ourselves on the Bronco test, same as the players, so we'd have to train for that. But it's probably a good test to to, to use to 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 get you in shape for a game. It's, it's kind of relevant in terms of the turning and the distance you distance you run. So the referees are pretty fit at the moment. They look good as well. Yeah, they, they are. <laughs> They're in some good shape. Like I saw Luke after the Ireland game. Even Yako Peeper yeah. looked good. Nick Berry. Yeah, well, Nick. Nick's one of the. Adonis's, but yeah, is he? Oh, well, I don't know why he, he looks. He looks oh, that way. He's in shape. But, he's got uh, tinted moisturizer, definitely. I'm not sure. No, I'm not sure. He's living down in Australia. Oh, he is. Yeah, we're tested. Like so, we have we have to stay fit. You know, it's part of the selection. It's it's actually part of. Um, uh, it's a selection tool. So ten percent of our selection is based on how well conditioned we are. 
um, and we've hit, hit certain targets. There's World Rugby. Um, I've employed a, a S&C coach from Ireland called Carl Gilligan, who who runs all that and runs it really well. Uh, so you know we're we're held to account in terms of our fitness levels. I think we should be. We're refereeing a professional game. We should look to part. We should be able to keep up with play. Well, I listen to the ref mic now because I love rugby. Yeah, but I, I love the I love that interaction, especially when you're in the stadium. Yeah, because as again for my job, but it also gives you much more depth to the game, and you can hear the referees who are out of breath, and there's not many of them. <laughs> and I'm watching it. I'm like, fair play. Yeah, you know, not only do they look good, a lot better now and tighter tops and. Hola. And all that stuff and bigger arms, but the conditioning side of things, you can hear that. Okay, right. So we get. So is Wednesday? Did you get a day off or not? Day off. We we try to take Wednesday off. Okay, so Wednesday's uh, off. Thursday. Thursday, you're kind of you're into prepping for the weekend. You'll already you will definitely have received uh, clips from the coaches you're refereeing that weekend, whether it's international or domestic or about or the opposition. Look um, at this. It can it can be a bit of both. Mm. It can be a bit of both. Uh, I, I think if they send clips about the opposition to us, they're then sent on to the opposition, which I think is right. Of uh, course. What kind of things could they be? Would they be like scrum? Uh, they, they Would they be, be like they offside could, yeah. charge downs? Yeah. Okay. They, everything. They, in everything. fairness, they they try to pick up trends that are relevant. They're they're not trying to. They're just trying to pick up things that will help them that they don't think is fair that the other team are doing. Mm. And there's teams that are always going to try things so. It kind of helps us. It helps our prep because we're like, oh yeah, well, we know they do that, but that reaffirms it, and we'll talk to the other team and say you can't quite do that. And everybody understands the process. Sometimes it's a bit tit for that. They just send in things for the sake of it. Um, I find that sometimes they don't. Coaches kind of forget that we do a lot of previewing for the games ourselves. But I get it as well because they're only covering their own backs. They want to make sure that they have all angles covered. And you know you're saying some of the coaches are just workaholics. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's not that you don't trust us. They just want to cover every angle. Um, but yeah, we'll get we'll get that on a Thursday and, and we'll have to get, a, get together with our team probably on a Thursday, whether it's locally or through, through Zoom and just go through a few key points that we want to do well that week. Um, and then Friday is usually, usually a travel day. Haircut day. Hair, ah, <laughs> possibly, possibly. <laughs> Um, but that'd have to be booked in yeah. so depends on, depends if it's a big game or not and then we travel and uh, yeah you, you probably have a meeting that Friday but very you know the work is done on the, th- on the Thursday um, with your team and it, and it really helps and it's probably something I'm trying to the, the right word for it but in the URC we don't have the same structures in other leagues we have to travel a lot we don't use the same ARs every week you know, it's a brilliant, brilliant competition because there's five countries, but that means that we have to travel and work with people sometimes who don't speak the same language as us. So so that can be, that's kind of a challenge for us at our, at our own kind of um, domestic level. But uh, usually we'll have to put a bit more work in if that's the case and, and make more of an effort, call people individually and try set up uh, how, you, how you want the game to be run and what roles you want your assistants to be doing. But that's part of it. Proper job then, is it? It's full on. Yeah. It's full on. Yeah. It no. really is. Um, it, it keeps you going. I've this Six Nations has been kind of funny because they've selected the fifteen referees for fifteen games with, with a view to appointing to the World Cup. But what it's meant is that very few people have been out every weekend. Even assistant referees, there's only a handful of assistant referees who've even been out twice. So I happened to be assistant referee in the first game, first round. Had nothing since. So mm. I, I haven't known myself. I've had four weeks off, and I'm like, what's going on? How was your assessment of that one? Was uh, it all right? How was? Uh, I didn't. I didn't ref, but Andy ref very well. Oh, do do yeah. you not get assessed as they touch you? You get as a team. As, oh, a, as team. a team. Yeah, okay. yeah. No, but you do individually as a as an ARA. Yeah, your like your name is up there if you make an error. You know, 
fairness, the referee doesn't have to take responsibility for that, which would be harsh. Yeah, see, it, it's brutal brutal when you put it like that and some people will be like well yeah that's how it should be but this six nations an interesting one is it because you've just said it there mm-hmm. there's like an assessment process going into the world cup so if you've made a big call it'd be interesting to see if yako it goes i don't well I, I don't, that's a different call isn't it because it's such a big call player safety we've gone through that but when will you find out like when when do people know whether they're going in will that be based on the assessments and, and grading and, and how they've done in the six nations yeah yeah. Yeah. Well, like for me, I found out that I wouldn't be going as a referee before the Six Nations. Mm. So I got down to the last, what do they have now? The 15. I got down to the last 17. Two of us were caught before the Six Nations. And in the right way, the selectors rang us and told, gave us their reasons. Um, you know, they didn't shy away from it. You know, they were very open and honest. I was really, like, I was disappointed. Mm. Like, I, I thought I did enough to get, get a game in the Six Nations. But, it's like anything, Jim. Like we've done, we've done it so much in the past as players. Like it's, I probably very proud of the way I conducted myself up to that point because I think I did enough to get selected. But I, I fell out on the subjectiveness of, you know, the way the way they select is they've got like some sort of pie chart where it's like ten percent fitness, ten percent law knowledge, um, it's something like forty percent performance in the games, and then they they give themselves about thirty percent subjective. And I get that because they're selectors; they want to bring the people they trust and. In my case, unfortunately, I probably didn't have enough games under my belt. I had done two internationals leading into it, and they just thought, you've done well, but have we seen enough of you? That's disappointing, because mm-hmm. I know I've done well, but that that was their decision. So um, I'm kind of through that side of it now. I'm kind of trying to push myself to get as an AR. And obviously, like the big goal for me after that is to, to give it another four years and go next World Cup based on performance. But, uh, you know, it's a tense time for the lads, the 15 lads who've just refereed, because they're... They're waiting to find out if they're going or not. Bit of drama. Like I said, I like a bit of drama. But that's good, isn't it? It drives yes. competi- like it's competition. It drives competition within the group and it'll make us better referees. So. Again, all these buzzwords we've used, like jeopardy for everyone yeah. involved, not just players, teams, but also referees. I th- I don't, I'm not sure many people would know that you know that it's that rigorous. You know, it's kind of like, I didn't know it was that yeah. rigorous. I thought yeah. it was just a case of they were just looking at different referees to go to the World Cup and, and yeah. different combinations so it'll, it'll go up to 15 to 12 but so maybe those three people who are dropped will go as assistants we, we just don't know what to mm. do, so. yeah. it's that time of year it's uh, it's exciting in one way but it's nerve wracking in another yeah I imagine do you think this goes into the mix as well around the language stuff and this has become quite topical and again we've played so we mm. know the different cultures and the way you interact and the empathy and tense and tone and how you speak we have obviously moved on in the world and a big part of what is happening now in the club game in Europe is the, the French language. The referees yeah. trying to speak French. I don't know if anyone's doing it in Italian yet, for example. or a few. Isn't few, there? A few of the URC guys. I think Mikey's done it. Uh, Andy Brace has done it. Okay. In fairness to them. Love yeah, that. Yeah. On top of all this as well. Yeah. Like fair play. Yeah. But I just find that is probably the next biggest must-have Evolution. It's not easy just to speak a foreign language and everything that goes with it. But no. I feel a little bit when I watch Italy, and luckily Michele Lamaro can speak a little bit of broken right. English. But that you, you know, that kind of rapport, yeah, must be difficult. And at the, where we are now, with them small, small margins of like, you know, what I'm talking about. Like, how much pressure is on there? Is it a given that you need to speak French, Italian, or is this? Just taken upon yourself. No, it's not a given. Uh, what is a given is that English is is the language of world rugby, and people understand that. Um, the teams understand that. 
but I think there's huge benefit to the referees who can speak a small bit of other language. I don't do it. Mm. Um, it's something I'd like to try to do, but I'm also really aware that I've got a quite a strong accent, a Cork accent, um, and I've, I put a lot of effort into just being very clear and concise in what I'm saying because I, 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 particularly at the start of my career, and this has happened to some referees, um, I was probably hard to understand and maybe I still am, but I, I make a big effort to be really uh, clear in what I'm saying and deliberate in what I'm saying. So the, probably the next step for me then is to to start probably, you know, throwing, throwing in a bit of, of different languages. But it's tough. I mean, the lads are going to a World Cup where there's going to be a lot of language spoken. I mean, you know, you're going to have Spanish, you're going to have Italian, you're going to have Japanese. There's going to be different languages. Are, are you expected if you do Japan versus Italy to speak both? That's the the counter argument you probably have to speak he's, he's you probably look, have to speak English don't you you'd I mean, look cool scenario. if you could speak both though, wouldn't you how cool it would, would be look? pretty cool yeah, yeah it would <laughs> yeah well it would of course it would hey referees coming through yeah. that's what you need if <laughs> yeah. you can speak multilingual Magic. Japanese Spanish Italian basically be like Sergio Parise because yeah. he can speak a lot of languages well, there you go but I agree it, it, you know I, I mean I've spoken to players about it and I know the Italian guys and the French guys really appreciate when people make an effort so mm. I think it's something it's something that I want to want to get, probably want to upskill on personally but Step by step. Rugby as a whole, having been on both sides as a player and a referee, it's going through a tough time at the minute. I, th I yeah. think it's as safe as it's ever been with everything that's put in place for us as ex-players. But more important, not more importantly, just as important, the players coming through. Now you're in the middle of that. Are you feeling that? Are you seeing it? Do you feel it's the safest it's ever been? Oh, sorry, you're just talking safety. Safety and, and as a product. I think both of them, you are there on the front line. You're watching these collisions, you're seeing them, but you're also seeing the athleticism and the power of some of these I think, but there's guys. No, there's no doubt the players are just so powerful and so big now. I, like, I just can't, I cannot imagine. Like, you know, when we used to go out on Tuesdays in Leicester, I just can't imagine doing that session anymore. Bone on bone. I like <laughs> Like and we had big guys. We mm. we had uh, we had Henry and Alessandro. You know, we had those huge guys run into us, and I was like, in fact, I don't even think they were allowed to do it. They were too big, weren't they? The two Langies weren't. <laughs> yeah. they, they, if we had a bad day in defence, they'd get rolled out. Henry yeah. would get rolled out for some <laughs> one on one. <laughs> um, His son's playing for the under twenties. Have you seen that? No. Oh no, yeah. I have. Yeah. Yeah. Under twenties, yeah. six foot nine, twenty stone. Goodness me, your man. Well, we will get back to your question in a minute, but I remember in those Tuesday sessions. At one stage, uh, probably, you know, my, my closest friend at the time would have been Ian Humphreys. We were playing night and ten quite a lot together. He was playing really well. Uh, and, you know, Goody was probably getting shitty for not getting picked and Ian was getting picked. So Goody got back in the team or whatever. And Cockers was the coach at the time. And Cockers said to Ian, we're not picking you because of your defence. But what we'll do is after every Tuesday session, I'm going to run at you ten times. And if you tackle me ten times, I'll pick you at the weekend. <laughs> What? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Only in Leicester. Oh, he's so old school, Cockers. It happened, and sometimes Ian's got picked, and sometimes he didn't. <laughs> oh, it was so old school. I remember doing one on ones with Deeks, who's now coaching Leicester. Yeah. Phil Larder's defence coach. He's got a ten metre run up at me, and it was low body chop, and my shoulders were. I, they were my Achilles heel, yeah. and my shoulders, and it just made them worse. I was like, what is this? Yeah. I remember, yeah, they used to roll out Henry as well for one-on-ones. But it's a good point, isn't it? Because it's, I think the game is safer than it ever has been in terms of how we protect the players and make sure that player welfare and all Because, you know, back, back then we probably weren't as educated as we are now. That's the thing, it's yeah. the education. Yeah. Like there's, I don't look at it any other way yeah. in the fact that we weren't 
educated. As I got towards the end of my career... I think we were trained to be, but we just hadn't evolved into where we are now. Exactly. Well, yeah. you, you look at everything, and we're probably nowhere near where we can be in terms of yeah. technology, um, support staff, s and I'm talking about yeah. if you look at NFL, NBA, you know, the soccer. ice hockey, soccer... Like there's huge growth, but where we've come, it's not even. I mean, I retired five years ago, and what I was doing to get on the pitch and putting myself through in training is not even comparable to what yeah. is happening now. But it's uh, it's a great sport, and we're still in it, and it's going through a tough time. But everything that it brings, oh. the different people, the fact that we're here. Look at look at us. I feel lucky to be part of it, genuinely, genuinely, mm. and. Um, it's it's just uh, you, I travel around. I travel a hell of a lot. That's probably that's probably one of the hard sides of being a referee has been away. But it's also it's one of the great things. And I remember when we were playing. You're probably a bit like me now. But when we were playing, we we travel a lot. But we were stuck to regimes, and we had to be somewhere at a certain time. It's great as a referee. You have to. You're kind of in control of what the way you want to set up your your travel and and your time when you're away. But what I really like is wherever we go, I'll always meet someone I've played with or or refereed or. Like I said earlier, um, when we when we just got started talking, uh, I love how small rugby is, and I this is what I was saying when we just walked in earlier. Just just reminded me is uh, the last time I met you and we actually had a chat because like, I we've met in dispatches at grounds and stuff like that. You're always busy; don't have much time for me. And you you're serious? Off. No, you're. I can see you don't want banter. It's like you want to be your Frank Murphy, the ref, know, yeah, not the Frankie yeah. boy that I know. Maybe, but anyway, yeah, you kind of you kind of go off with the big dogs anyway, but. The last time I met you and we had a chat, you were on a getting on a plane to Cork and I sat down in the seat, I had my headphones on, you sat down, sat down next to me and I don't think you, you, you noticed me and I said, Jim, he goes, Frank, how's it going? He said, what are you listening to? I said, I'm listening to you and Goody on the podcast. He said, no. Like, you know what I mean? It was mental. I couldn't believe it. You sat down next to me and you just started the podcast mm. back when it was good. Oh, but yeah. I know, back when it was real and authentic. <laughs> I, mean, I can't him. believe where it's gone. No, it's fairly You know, we're sat here. It's crazy. yeah. yeah. You know what, we did it for the right reasons. Like I've, I've mentioned about it before, and this role that I'm in now, I've got a real passion. And listening to you, people wouldn't have heard you. No. Chat. They don't know Frank, not that they need to, but I think putting well, the person, need to. The person to be honest, the whistle. I, I wouldn't do this, but I know you, so you asked me to do it, and I, mm. I was really happy to do it, but it wouldn't be something I'd go looking to do. But, mm. but I think what you're doing for the game, I think it's great. Thank you, Frank. Uh, yeah, it's very, well, it's enjoyable to listen to on the road, anyway. Exactly, and yeah. that's part of it. So part of growing the game, but also listening to the characters, and also, mate, the amount of work that goes in. Like, I, I am interested in this space and also the amount of input that it takes to make a game go ahead at the weekend. Mm -hmm. Like, it isn't just about... the t Yes, it is about the players and oh, the coaches and yeah. the people paying, but I think it, people will be really interested to hear what goes in from learning to blow a whistle... Yeah, at the start. The basics of the start. Yeah. Mm. It's, oh, it's mad when you think about it. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Maybe we'll get you out there sometime. Oh, I don't know. I'm good in straight lines when I'm running. Do you know who, who I heard was getting into it, genuinely, before he moved to Saracens? Hit me. Your, your nemesis. Big Scottish second row. Swinnow. There's lots of talk about him getting into it at one stage. Tim Swinnow. Yeah. I think he did a bit in Scotland. Generally. Really? Yeah. Oh, a bit tall, isn't he? Yeah, that's what I thought. A bit too big. Yeah, yeah. I thought you were going to say George Cruz then. Be hilarious watching him do it. <laughs> I don't know if George do well, so I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure we'll see yeah. some more players. I think, I think we have to. I think it's that. great for the game. So he's seen it with coaches, young coaches, that have played the modern game. Andy Farrell, 10 yeah. years out. Steve Borthwick. I know Scott Robinson's slightly older. He's just been appointed as the All Blacks coach. Mm. Gregor Townsend, maybe a little bit longer out yeah. of there. 
You know what I mean? As in people yeah. that understand what it is, and there's no yeah, people. Or Gary, even. And, and of course. Well, how well he's doing. So, so yeah. It just shows that they're able to bring that IQ into their coaching roles. But It's important. Yeah, no, very much so. Well, Frank Murphy, absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for sharing that. And I've got my fingers and toes crossed that you'll be the robot AI, what do you call it? Assistant for the World Cup, what do you call it? Assistant referee. Assistant referee. Well, I'm, I'm hoping to get there. I'll call it IA. AA? We'll IA? keep the head down and see what happens. Yeah, what do you call it? AR. not I keep saying AI. What's AI? That's robots, right? Yeah, artificial Same intelligence. Thing. Assistant Absolute. referee. Same yeah. thing. <laughs> that's, what of course. that's what it's going to end up being anyway, isn't it? I know. Frank, <laughs> yeah. we'll do it again in five years and you wouldn't have aged as well. You look a million dollars. Thank you, Jim. It's a pleasure. Thank yeah. you.